Welcome to Decolonizing Sexuality, where we have intellectual conversations that change the way we think about sexuality and question if that may have an impact on how we think about everything else. Hey, everyone. It is really great to be back on the podcast once again. It felt like it was just October, so time has been going by really, really fast. I've been busier with really great things, um, including some of that um, deciding to become a certified sex educator. So I have been um, volunteering at different places and um, making different contributions um, that pertain to sex education um, and uh, kink education and um, all of how that intersects with mental health. So um, a quick podcast update. Thanks to you all, in just nine episodes, we've made it to well over a thousand plays. So we want to thank you so much for your support. It hasn't even been a year yet, um, so I'm curious to observe the growth of this podcast in the future. Oh, also, just a PSA. Um, I know that the intros can be a bit long sometimes, and I try to cap them around three minutes, but... Either way, they're meant to be a primer about what's going on in the conversation that's about to take place so that you can understand fully what you're about to hear in the space that the conversation lives in, um, and sometimes to provide uh, a glossary. So thanks for actively listening to these intros. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so about this episode, you know, being in November, um, I would say that making the November episode was a particularly weird time for me because many people in North America were observing Thanksgiving during this month. And this year was particularly different for me because making a podcast like this will give you extra feelings when these acts of collective gaslighting come up. You know, I, I think of the word holiday and how it means holy day. And I'm like, how can we possibly make the day of Thanksgiving a holy day? Like, what does that say about a society and the willingness to gaslight or the willingness to be in complete denial of someone else's experience. You know, just the entire idea of kids being conditioned to think that Thanksgiving is a designated time to be thankful is just like such profound collective energetic gaslighting. And it's very deeply unjust. And, you know, my point is, though, I obviously am not indigenous. And so I cannot offer that perspectives. And that is limiting. Um, and I really hope to be able to offer um, the opportunity to listen to indigenous voices on this podcast. But I think it's important for people to understand that having Indigenous folks as guest co-hosts on this podcast requires the great deal of compensation that they deserve. And so I cannot really afford that yet, and I wish I did, but if you are fully committed to seeing Indigenous voices on this podcast, then we would absolutely love if you considered supporting our podcast so that we can support lifting Indigenous voices. There's a book called Columbus and Other Cannibals that changed my life that I read last summer. Uh, it's a really heavy read and a definite trigger warning for the amount of violence, but it's important information to have to understand decolonization from an Indigenous perspective. And so I thought to myself that if I cannot yet have Indigenous voices on this podcast, um, then I could at least um, lead you to uh, books that I'm reading, all this other stuff that lead um, to seeing uh, an Indigenous perspective on decolonization. So today's episode, as it pertains to my conversation with our awesome guest co-host today, um, a lot of it is about holding space for neurodivergent ways of learning and knowing. And our guest today, Grace B. Freedom, all pronouns combined with they, them pronouns, is a Black gender fluid queer creator of the Black love and care ethic. They are supported by a grant from the Effing Foundation to write the My Black Grace series. They have been described as a penetrative and inescapable force, but mostly they want to be in deep conversations that are guided by mutual tenderness and curiosity that center a Black love and care ethic. 
You can find them asking a lot of questions and sharing their freedom practices on Instagram at madquestionasker, and you can follow their writing on Patreon at madquestionasker. And so you might ask, how in the world did I meet Grace? Um, I was literally reading a writing piece online, and the title really captured my attention. The title was Rejecting Fetishization and Lack, Claiming the Fullness of My Black Demisexuality. And just that title rang so true to my experience that I knew I had to reach out. Something really pinged in me, and I was like, that title brought so many words to what I was doing unconsciously when I talked in episode seven about rejecting what I called unconscious sex work. The whole article is a must read, so I'll put it in the description. So I reached out to Grace and they graciously offered their time to record a conversation. So I thought it was quite timely that Grace and I talked about the limiting ways that wholeness is depicted in the media um, and in different discourse communities and how it's not quite conducive to what we would consider a decolonized mind, which can become more creative and empathetic because it's able to hold and honor all perceptions of reality. Interpreting dreams that help you understand your life better, letting animals teach you, seeing our co-creation with anything as a sexual experience, whether that be a co-creation with life itself or even in deep relationship with your own pain. This is what I meant by relational dynamics, y'all. They're not always between people. They could be between aspects of self, nature, and much, much more. It's pretty typical for society to see other forms of being outside of cis-heteronormativity as some form of lack. But what Grace spoke to in their articles is about knowing that a person's non-normative way of being can speak more to where they are full than where they are lacking. This is exactly what I mean about being an empowered, relationally fluid individual. And so um, you're hearing from what I consider um, a manifestation of that beingness. To me, this episode really feels so much like the sequel to the Decolonizing Reality episode, which was our September episode, episode eight with Ben Matson. If you haven't listened to that one yet, I would highly recommend episode eight as a prerequisite to that, uh, to this episode, because I don't want you to miss out on the profundity of this episode. Um, but, you know, if you'd like to dive right in, that's awesome too. Oh, and there were some unexpected tech difficulties that we decided to just roll with this time. So the audio might be a bit iffy at different parts, but it should be audible. All right. So now that you have an overview, let's get into this awesome episode today. Hey. Hey there. Hi. I loved your, I loved what you just said in the chat. It was really, really funny. You said, <laughs> let me look at this. You said, I'm sort of in this, I'm sort of in these etheric streets. So if you're, if, so you are getting a pretty creaturely version of me today. It could get real interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Can you please explain more on that? Because that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hmm. can I explain? I mean, I can, and if you don't want to, that's fine. No, no, it's it like it really actually feels like like can I can I fully give you the mm. like three sixty version of what it means to be in this creaturely state? Mm. And maybe, um, maybe I'll start with. So I recently got. Um, a tattoo of a tentacle oh nice yeah so it's just (laughs) so the tentacle is really just like this this outward expression on my physical body of all that I already know like it's my more than humanness right right and so there's a way that I just had this experience in a float tank where like almost like my tentacle was activated and And so I spent time both like under the sea and in the air. And I had this dream that was pretty intense last night. Mm. And there's many parts to it, but this, this piece that was sort of with me in the tank was this like ancestor, this African ancestor that is an ancient future person. Mm. And so 
at one point in the dream, they were like, I was on a shoreline and on this shoreline there, they were sort of doing this lesson about surfing, but the water was fairly still, like it wasn't the way in which like you would see like surf because obviously by the shoreline, there's no surf in the, in the particular ways that surfing as an activity shows up. And so they're kind of giving this demo about like navigating this, this surfboard. And in the demo, they're like, and then if you want to go vertically, <laughs> um, then this is, this is kind of the move that you do in order to, and so then they started like levitating and because like the water was getting like the sea the ocean was getting pretty choppy in a particular way yeah and they're like yeah you can go vertically and ride and so then like the word vapor comes up and like vapor is a form of water right like water in in shifted form and so it's like yeah like learn how to ride the water molecules in the air and so they were getting higher and higher and then this huge gust of wind this force of wind sort of blew them inland and i was like both like oh no how are they going to surf on the water but also like they'll be able to figure it out (laughs) like they've got Mm -hmm. the technology to do it since they already know how to surf in a vertical way like i'm pretty sure it's fine so as i was in so like my creaturely and so there's this way that i feel like i'm like in this in this in-between place of the place in which we know as black people how to and we will and we will need to and we will need to know yes we will instructions right to understand that right that we like so in i was having a conversation with one of my sweeties and Mm -hmm. they were like oh yeah the the surfing on water is like the middle the middle passage because we're also in this course together by um bio komalafe called we will dance with mountains and and there's a big theme inside of that course that's all about Mm. the middle and like going back to the middle passage. Um, mm-hmm. And so in that, it was this like, well, as I'm floating in this float tank and recognizing this way in which my black body is floating. I don't, ha- I don't have to do anything. Like it's, and, and what it took to like get to the relaxation point to know that we float, that I float. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it was like this, ancient future um, person who came to me in my dreams was also sort of with me and that like there was important information for me to retrieve because there are instructions. There are instructions for the future. Right. And the particular ways in which some of the instructions are about like, we have to go back. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of themes like that for me around Sankofa, the Sankofa principle of go back and fetch it. But... Um, this particular piece that made me wonder about, you know, where, where, you know, so much of the conversation around the middle passage historically in terms of how it's rendered, there's, there's a lot of information there, but it's like, I have yeah, heard, I was ask you. yeah, that I've heard that we, you know, we, we, there are, there is a discourse that talks about like our African ancestors um, lining the bottom of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And what I'm sitting with in this right now moment is around floating. And what if we aren't lining the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean? We've actually transcended and know how to float on the molecules of the air. Mm -hmm. And so like, it makes me think of trans day of remembrance and it makes me think of um, transcestors, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And, it makes me think of plant sisters too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's, I've also been kind of playing with the mycelial and, and thinking about like. Oh yeah. Hugely. That's the, where I've been at. Yeah. yeah. And so like. For That's me, just a huge confirmation. Just to hear you <laughs> say that. Like every time the word mycelium or mycelial comes up with just individuals that I'm beginning to meet, like that's one of those big synchronicities for me. I've noticed. Mm, yeah. And I've actually been thinking, so I've been thinking about it in terms of a lot of different yeah. pieces, but particularly right. like what it means to be in simultaneity. And so like this, mm-hmm. and, and that's what this creature-like space is for me, right? That's this both like, yep. I am both like, like I'm one foot 
in sort of the 3D reality of material world. Like I'm in a car, I'm looking at a parking lot, I'm seeing the strip mall around me, and I'm also in some other places. And Right, exactly, yep. And so this conversation about the mycelial is for me, the way that I've been in this conversation with myself Mm -hmm. is around, especially like connecting it right now um, to sort of like water and water as vapor is also this kind of idea of like these transistors that are spores, right? And so like Mm -hmm. what happened, right? Like that I am simultaneously the mushroom, right? I'm the flower, Mm -hmm. I'm the bloom while also the root, while also the spore, right? Absolutely. And And it reminds me of that triple goddess standpoint, the maiden mother and crone. Mm, But mm. without all the gendering and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. Ancestors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then like without the gendering, but that, that, that we can be without the gender, we can be with the feminine without the gendering. Right. Right. Absolutely. We don't Mm -hmm. have to gender the feminine. Oh Um, yeah, absolutely. And then the question becomes like, and when do we need to, for what purposes? Right. So, Right. There's there's that piece, and so this kind of right. now I'm like, and that oh. that touches on certain 3D realities, but mm-hmm. may not touch on others. I think it's important that you make, you know, making that distinction is awesome, and it's so wonderful, honestly, to hear you speak of your experiences, um, basically your multidimensional perception of reality, because mm-hmm. whenever you know, it's very, it's very hard for me personally to have that mirrored. Mm. I don't know if that's your experience, mm. but mm-hmm. it's been harder for me to have that mirrored. <laughs> it totally, <laughs> you're talking about synchronicity, you saying that, like literally mm-hmm. this morning, like this is, this morning I was having this very conversation about the longing of mm-hmm. the mirror, for the mirroring, right? Yeah, this, yeah, this place of like, that. What yep. does partnership folks who like? have these kinds of perceptions do? Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. Because unfortunately, I mean, I believe we can all have a multidimensional perception of reality. However, it has been so deeply objectified and deeply colonized and deeply, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and deeply capitalized upon and, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, made rigid. And mm-hmm. so it's really excellent to hear from other individuals who have that because I, I am in the realms of the metaphorical all the time. I'm always mm-hmm. having these similar dreams. I'm always having, you know, these kinds of things and understanding that they are not just for use, right? Because that's where the capitalism comes back in, right? Yeah. It's like, and I think it's really important for people to understand that like, yes, it is great that it is great that the transcestors can ascend into the air. They can transcend these deep, um, you know, rooted realities of oppression and all this stuff, they can transcend that and touch us with what we are perceiving. However, at the same time, it's so nice to be mirrored by people who live in this 3D reality because we are mirrored by your ancestors all the time through these experiences that feed back into the support of our 3D reality. And so it's just so incredible to, you know, so I don't know if um, you would speak to something similar when it comes to the longing for mirroring. Mm. So it's interesting because this longing, right? This mm-hmm. and, and the particularities of how it shows up or has yeah. shown up um, is this way in which I've been in this conversation with my relationship to like life as death and death as life. Yep. And and the, and the multidimensional nature of what it means to bear witness to, to the deaths of many versions of me and to have lived many lives, like in yeah. my simultaneity of this particular 3D life that I'm also living. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what that means for me. And, <clears throat> and the places in which, like, the questions arise around, yeah, like, when, when is it necessary for me to die alone and live alone? And what is mm-hmm. it not, right? <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and so again, the conversation about partnership. Great question. Yeah, um, the way you said that. Yeah, you know, partnership as as a living, as a living practice. Um, right. And so, what the longing has been through these other lives um, has been for a, a partner in living, right? To know how to die and to die well, 
yeah. and to die over and over and over again and to know how to live and to live well and to live over and over and over again, but to also long to live with and right. live with in many forms, right? As many forms mm-hmm. as I am, I desire partners who can live with me in those forms. Yes. And I am partnered, right? Like life partners with me. Yeah. Um, we talked about life, that. Yes. Life wants me. Life every like mm-hmm. life communicates to me all the time of how much life Same. wants me. <laughs> yep. Same here. Yep. It's beautiful. Partnership. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. and so then so then the conversation is about the and, right? It's not yeah. an or it's not mm-hmm. as is the conversation of life and death. And it's an and conversation. And mm-hmm. so it's like and how can I also lean into this place in which the longing has been there and the longing has been my partner. And I'm in a particular moment right now (laughs) in which I'm like, oh, actually what needs to die is that partnership because there is a being Mm. and a being who is very much in their own own multidimensional nature, (laughs) Mm -hmm. in their own beingnesses who also mm-hmm. wants and desires to partner with me and that this too is a function of life wanting me. Life is yeah. like, oh, you want partnership? I want you to have what you want. So here, here's a partner in this yeah. very tender place in which you believe that you would never have a partner because you've never had a partner in this very tender place. It's like, here you right. go. Here's another indication. Yeah. I love you. Right? Look like at that's, that. That's the yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And it helps you grow. Yep. Being with that partner who is longing really helps you grow because I've been there you know I've been there more in the past than I have been recently because of what I was talking about with my relational dowsing system right the more you know because that relational dowsing system is life telling me I want you to have these other partners that don't hurt you as much right um like like longing did you know but then Mm. you get to learn you really get to know who longing is you get to know who they are and then it's not so painful anymore because it's Mm. things Mm. are painful when you don't understand what's going on and you don't communicate between those Mm. two beings you know or however many beings right you know so it's just when you can communicate and also develop a secure attachment to that to that being that's mm. huge. But you have to develop a secure attachment within your own self, which, you know, that could be seen as, you know, two or more beings as well, depending on the ways that you heal, right? Your aspects of self, your parts work, um, all of that. And I think I this think is why I want to, oh, go ahead. Yeah. It's, also, it's like, there, we have this conversation about healing in a particular way. And yeah. I think there's value to actually, it's not only depending on how you heal, but it's also depending on how you hurt. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, um, that's real. And so this conversation, so like I said, I'm in this course called We Will Dance with Mountains by Bio Kamalafe and the Emergence Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and the question, sort of a prompt that came up in, in last week's class was like, where does it hurt? And yeah. the invitation to go to that place, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and develop a relationship place, with it. Right. And so to go to the place that's not about, or at least how I took the exercise was like, I don't need to Mm -hmm. go there to like fix it. I don't need to go there to, to do something different. And so sometimes like the the appropriation of the ways in which capitalism Mm -hmm. has entangled itself with wellness, such that we go to the hurt so we can fix it. So we can be productive. So that the hurt can be productive. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, 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 Um, no, no. I believe in developing right relationship with it. You know, That's there's right. something so special about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then the question becomes, so how do I, how do I develop right relationship? Right. Yes. What does that yes. look like? So for me, inside of, for me, what I call my own black love and care ethic, the first mm-hmm. principle of the black love and care ethic is relationship as politics. And so it's like, mm-hmm. all right. So if I make right relationship, my politics, then I have pathways to understand how to be then in the development of right relationship. And so to be in right relationship with my hurt is to be in right relationship with curiosity, to be curious mm-hmm. about it and to be yeah. curious about it as, as the isness that it is, not to be mm-hmm. curious about it for the purpose of figuring out how to 
manipulate it to be anything other than what it is. To fix it. Right. And look at that. That is literally my, it's so interesting that, because I mean, I had no idea I was going to just come out as ecosexual on this podcast today. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, like <laughs> I had no idea. I was just, you know, like me and my ecosexuality, we have been in union and it's just like, you know, the, you know, and they were like, are you going to, are you going to tell them about us? Or like, you know, and I was like, I don't know. Right. I don't know. And it's so, what did you say? Your partners are being like, hello, tell them yes. about us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, you know, that's basically what you were talking about, about basically, you know, that's my understanding of climate change. And, you know, that might piss some people off and I don't care, but that's kind of my that's my thing is like, how can we be like, what's more important to me is not what I'm doing. Mm. Because you don't know mm. how much that nourishes the earth for you to just be with. Right. And I think, and that's the, that's why I call myself ecosexual because I believe in the sharing, uh, the feedback loop sharing of experiences between individuals about nature within the container of nature and Having and by and by that having a threesome with the earth, mm. the reality is nature ha has so much more value, um, mm -hmm. and you know, and it's not about capitalistic value. It's about emotional, just emotional value. It's about connection value. You can't value something you're not in connection with, you know. Mm. Or and we and we've colonized that word. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Do you oh, often yeah. feel? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me, it actually reminds me of uh, when you were talking about um, the relationship between you and uh, your uh, your candle that you were using mm. uh, for ritualistic mm. purposes. And it was like this giant chandelier looked like. Yeah. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. The ornate, the ornate. Yes. Yeah. Is that kind of a, is that kind of the, uh, like aesthetic attraction or how would you? For sure. For sure, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That it's like, yeah. so I've talked about some of my experience is one way to, that I've been talking about it is as, you know, feeling like I have dragonfly eyes all over my body. Mm. And the way, and so like what, that, what I've been invited into with the dragonfly. And so like really understanding the sight of the dragonfly and and compound site is how dragonflies see. And so dragonflies have access to like so much. They can see so much. Like you ever, have you ever seen the matrix? Um, a little bit, but I don't remember. Okay. Anyway, there's this, there's this one scene in which like the architect, like Neo is with the architect and there's these like million and one TV screens and there's mm. different things around the world that are happening. And again, they're yeah. all happening at the same time. So like the architect is, is responsible for the whole matrix. So like yeah. he lays it all out in these TV screens. And, um, and then sort of there's this moment where it's integrated, where then the moment that is being focused on is the moment that the architect is having with Neo. And so then it's like in real time, Neo is seeing him on all these screens, but it looks like one sort of co co cohesive image. And, like, ah, that's how dragonflies. That's how dragonflies Like, they see, literally, yeah. like, see every, like, so many yeah. things in their environment. It's also how that they pivot. So cool. It's how oh, they're able wow. to so quickly change directions. Ah, because they have value. that. Yes, they, it's almost like they, they have this uh, quantum visual perception. Mm. You know, they're able to see mm. every single possible combination of spatial representation, perhaps. Right. You know? And yet, and that's, they're yeah, also that's so cool. slowing down. So, because like in order to focus on the particular survival-based needs, so for example, mm -hmm. if they need to eat, right? Like yeah. there's a way in which they have to be able to focus to integrate the fact right. that there's a lot of things going on in the environment, but the task at hand, and yeah. like to be able to focus when you're yeah. seeing all the things, yeah, is, is yeah. its own. Process. That is literally I mean, what we have to do. That is like people like us. That's what we have to do. That is the right. That is literally the whole message. That is the teaching of the dragonfly for us. Right. There you go. Yeah, that is Shout what the dragonfly, the dragonfly has to teach us. 
Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I think I found me a new teacher. I'm going to talk to some right. That's right. Get into it. Get into yeah. it. Um, and so that's the piece that for me is like aesthetic attraction is about arrangement in space. Yeah. Right. And so then for me, the access to these dragonfly eyes all over my body means like an infinite amount of stimulation from the perspective of arrangement in space, whether their bodies in space, whether it's furniture in space, whether it's spirit in space, like it's the arrangement of beingness in space with space in the space in between space. Right. Like, yes. And absolutely. so it's this conversation that is also a conversation yeah. about ma- matter. Right, like what is mm-hmm. matter, and so right. when you talked about the quantum field, Absolutely. I was thinking about that as well. Yeah, um, aesthetic attraction for me, as a as a primary form of attraction, is is reduced if it's only about like if I like something how it looks, but it doesn't mean I don't like how something looks, right? It's the possibilities of the arrangement in space that become tantalizing, mm-hmm. and the curiosities that emerge from that. Yeah. Um, in yeah. the different experiences of them. So that could be yeah. color, that could be sound, that could be um, like the particular way in which like the breeze just like tickles like the bottom part of my yeah. right so the, Yes, so the, yeah, it's really you being completely sensually open to the spatial representation that's around you in this, you know, in this dimensional space. And in all the other ones. Ever shifting. Right. Because that's what Mm -hmm. happens when you're a multidimensional being. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the simultaneity. I'm like, I'm also experiencing it as, yeah, tantalizing. Yep. Absolutely. So it can get really intense, right? In this way, again, Mm -hmm. of like life as a a partner, that it's just like, oh my gosh, like life can be so sexy. Um, And that sexiness can look many, many, many different ways. Yes, Um, exactly. And yes. it's, it is, it's, it's in the tantalizing, it's in the seduction, it's in the, mm-hmm. the curiosity, like, oh, what's the, oh, what, oh, oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, ooh, tell me more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's one way yeah. to answer that question. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Do you find that in your multidimensional perception of reality, do you have, do you find that you um, kind of have a, um, you know, one or more, it doesn't matter, like, um, imaginational, um, kind of like programs that are running through you in real time throughout the day. So do you feel Mm -hmm. like you're in another space, you know, kind of like what you talked about, how you said, well, you know, in this moment, I'm here, but in another layer of experience, perhaps another, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, another space in the multiverse, then then I feel like I miss. Does that happen in real time for you? Because that's how it happens for me, and it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. That that's the and that I was talking about. Like it's not an either uh, or, right? Like some people yeah. have an experience, and I, you know, th- there are times where like I can foreclose upon for the purposes that I need to, right? Like if mm-hmm. I need to drive sure, sure. to get somewhere. I need to be focused. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In my three. But the reality, reality is, it's still it's still going to be running. It's just running in my unconscious. You know, right? And I, I find yeah. that that's how it feels because I tend to still get the whatever was, you know, however I would have experienced it, I would still experience it because it's like a movie. I can literally just pause it, and then mm-hmm. you know the movie will continue. You know, mm-hmm. and that's and that's me processing. You know, that could be me processing my 3D experience. You know, that could be this. You know, the other way too, where you know. Perhaps my 3D experience is processing, does yeah. it either or and, you know, all of it. For sure. It definitely is a simultaneity for me. Yeah. Which is like awesome. this, yeah, yeah, this awareness. Like a superposition. Like, yeah. In all yeah. And that's why it feels time. like the dragonfly yeah. eyes, where it's like all mm-hmm. of it is happening at once. Yeah. And the integration is the focus point. But like, yeah. it doesn't mean that, that I'm not seeing all the other things. Um, right. Exactly. And see, that's the issue that's the whole entire issue with you know or I won't say that's the issue with but I think that is the reason why it's very important for us to be able to transcend um, just this dimension's understanding of wholeness Mm. understanding of healing understanding of what relationship can be defined as for you our relationship Mm. to 
um, philosophy instead of identity, because identity mm -hmm. is very, very, our understanding of identity is so much more rigid. I was just talking with um, one of my uh, play partners about that. You know, I was mm. just talking about, you know, um, about labels and understanding that like the the reason why we have a label is to is for us to understand quickly what a person's philosophy might be. And mm. that's the part where people become, you know, that's the reason why labels are seen as so rigid and then people get upset and don't even use any communication, which is, you know, some form of almost like throat, throat chakra dysphoria in a way, because it's like a multidimensional vocal dysphoria where you, where you say, I'm just not even going to share my multidimensional perception of reality because I feel completely locked down by these things. I feel locked mm. down into one dimension. Every time I use a label, it feels like a cage. And I'm like, okay, well, now it's, it's time to actually understand what the purpose of labels can be. And, mm. and it's very, and there, you notice there's a reason why I use the language can be, might be, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that actually gives room for individuals. That really gives room for, for all the dimensions. I think that every time we speak, we cut off dimension because you, know, you have an ineffable dimension that like you cannot describe. Yeah, that's, that's interesting to hear you articulate it that way. So, like, the question that comes up for me is, like, whose voice are we using then? And, like, whose voice, do, whose voice registers? Like, because when you, you're talking about sort of vocal, I'm thinking about registers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And because I don't know that I experience it for myself as labels cutting off dimensions as much mm -hmm. as it gives me information about how somebody, what they need me to be. Mm -hmm. um, which tells me, like, what register we're speaking on. And so I could say any number of things, but I don't actually, for me personally, I don't feel cut off from all, all of my beingness and all of my simultaneity. I just mm -hmm. get clarity on where the focus is desired from the being that I'm interacting with. So I'm Absolutely. like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. you need me to be woman in this particular way? Great. That's information. Yep. It doesn't but change. But that's what I'm saying. That, yeah, that's, you know, like, mm -hmm. yeah, it doesn't change woman and. It doesn't change yeah. gender fluid. It doesn't change. Oh, it change definitely doesn't. That's whatever, your understanding like, oh, of labels. Yeah. But what right. I was explaining was, you know, that's what I was talking about, that I was feeling that, you know, they a lot of people but, typically see labels as something rigid. And so that's kind of what I'm saying is that a perspective yeah. shift would be helpful yeah. for us to really understand how they can be used. And so everyone... So, you know, so that they would not be seen as cutting off dimension. So that's really what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really interesting to be in this conversation in this way. Because I'm like, yeah. well, do they? Do they actually need to have that? Or do, all right. they might I mean, not. Yes. Like, right. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't know that that's what they need. I know yeah. I need those things. So I need to be with people who can understand it that way. So for me, right. I'm just like, well, bump all the rest of them. That's fine. They can, they, whether they think it or not. I just need to actually focus on the people who can get with it. And right, because like, if they're happy, me, they're happy, you know. Yeah, yeah so I'm just like, absolutely. oh, that's just really helpful for me. If you can't get with it, then, like, then that's information. It is I don't is. need to be yep. focusing, right? Like, I already have a yep. field of things that I'm trying to integrate right now. I don't need to be integrating yeah. with you. Yeah, and see, you, and again, that, like, all, yeah, that all makes yeah. sense coming from a secure attachment standpoint. But what I'm saying is kind of like, I think mm. the reason I bring that up is because I, I grew up having such a traumatized life around almost feeling like I needed to uh, be a part of that kind of thing and right. not realize that, you know, not necessarily need to fit in, but just kind of a need to survive and kind of that, right. which, you know, can't, I mean, this, it could be the exact same thing a lot of times for us, but for me, you know, I didn't have that form of secure attachment that says that I have now, you know, that's like, right. well, yeah, I mean, if people aren't like that, then swerve, it's fine. It's not a big deal. It's just information. I see everything as just information now and it's mm. so much easier, but I'm kind of speaking more to, to a traumatized past that a lot of us could have had and might still have, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I hear you. Cause this is actually inviting me back into this conversation of longing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Yep. Because yep. I don't even think it's a matter of could have had. I mean, I, I'm like, show me somebody who hasn't experienced trauma or right. like been witness to a traumatic event. But you know, more importantly, specific, show me a I'm black talking. person. Show me because yeah, sure. I don't believe. It. And <laughs> yeah. like, and it's fine, right? Like, 
because in my version of blackness, that doesn't have to be limited to black identity as a specific yep, politics. Absolutely. It doesn't have to, like, life doesn't have to mean without trauma, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever allocation of trauma is value right. it is. And I think that there's right. a whole other conversation to be had about organizing yeah. ourselves around trauma that both, yeah, there's, I could have a whole conversation about that. I won't yeah. in this right now moment because I, I think there's a way in which it's like, this understanding of longing that I've been in relationship with and that even our attachment styles to the various beingnesses and being that are attached to us, even if we're not necessarily attached to, right? Like, yeah, I had a really secure attachment with longing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It wasn't actually about, about, about making that attachment secure. The Mm -hmm. information from that is, in terms of what that partnership allowed for is like a question of like, is that still necessary? So how am I having a polyamorous relationship with, with other ways of being that are not exclusively centered around my relationship to longing? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like what does that look like from a relationship anarchist perspective, from an expansive perspective? Um, yeah. And like that, that becomes sort of a primary place of inquiry. And in that I think about, for me personally, one of these conversations about like how we move with hurt and specific mm-hmm. trauma is like mm-hmm. sometimes that's the thing that organizes us because that's the mm-hmm. way that we soothe our longing. And that that I'm not saying that as a judgment. Like some of that shit just oh, is particularly not. like is. for me as black peoples, um, and particularly mm-hmm. as black peoples in relationship to yep. being diasporic black peoples. Right. And so my relationship right now, I'm having like. <clears throat> to transition my relationship to certain ancestors mm-hmm. and their ancestors yep. that like, I don't know their specific names, but they know mine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I'm having to transition those relationships because that's where it hurts. But those yeah. are like, yeah. those ancestors deeply want to be in relationship with me and they have yeah. been, but they only know how to be in relationship with me through her. That's what love yeah. is. For them. Yep. And yep. I'm yep. like, Hey, yep. You're touching I'm with that. y'all, yep. but it can't be that. Like, I'm yeah. trying to hang out with I'm you. I'm with y'all in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to hang out. And they're, like, not ready to let me go. And so there's ways Ooh. in which, like, there's a whole yeah. set of circumstances that are happening in my life yeah. that have yeah. me being very aware of that inside yep. of those yeah. relationships. of, And that it, because they long for me. They pine yeah. for me. Right? Like, it's just this whole conversation about, Believe like, we are ancestors' wildest all... dreams. Yeah, we mm-hmm. are our ancestors' wildest dreams, and it's important for me to recognize that some of my ancestors' wildest dreams is that they will continue to have people who, that they they will continue to have descendants who will be with them in the hurt, because mm-hmm. that hurt is so present to them, yeah. right? And so again, like mm-hmm. this conversation about being at the bottom of the ocean, yeah, and yeah. what it means to be dragged down there sometimes, yeah. and how comfortable I can be sometimes at the bottom of my personal ocean. Because of who comforts me in that space. Because of who calls for me from that space. And how to remember to be like, and there are others calling to me who are surfing the molecules of vapor of the water that's in the air. Who want me to also see what life can be from that vantage point. That life doesn't only want me from the place of the bottom of my fucking Atlantic Ocean. From the bottom of the middle passage that's still happening. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, I don't have to deny that that is a place to be. It's just not the only place, right? And that, and I think that sometimes in this conversation that we have around trauma and healing, that, again, the commodification of it makes it so that, like, it has to be a place we can't ever be. And I don't know at this point that, like, how can how can we, in the simultaneity of the multiverse, how can that be a place that we can never be? that's the thing like there's this way in which the discourse around trauma is around acuteness of event um even even with the scholars who very much can be in a conversation around complex pt like all the and again like i'm not Mm -hmm. here to sort of be in that specific conversation in that way but it's like right but like it's an ecosystem so we don't i don't have to like it the same with like i prefer to be in water more Mm -hmm. than for example in a forest Right. But that doesn't make right. the forest the wrong place to be. Right, like, exactly. We really do demonize these things. Yeah, we do. Yeah. 
right. It just is. Like, yeah, it, like, just, it is. just is. Yep. And you know um, what? You're not the first person who said this here because I actually said something very similar. It was just like hypervigilance is not something to be pathologized mm-hmm. in the black community. And that's mm-hmm. my personal thought because it's like mm-hmm. we have to, you know, because it is constantly happening. I mean, you know, our need to be hypervigilant is constantly being reinforced. And so it's like, okay, so there's no need to feel like you have to delete that part of reality. And that's the part that I was talking about with decolonizing wholeness, that like, we don't need to delete parts of ourselves. We need to become in right relationship with those parts. That's right. And how can you become in great relationship with your hypervigilance? I mean, because that shit is nice. I mean, really, I love being in good relationship because when you become in good relationship with your hypervigilance, then it becomes a really keen intuition. Totally. And therefore it can allow for such significant pleasure. Like yeah, the hypervigilance of the experience of stimulation in a particular area of the body in which you experience yeah. the erotic. Yeah. The hyper focus yeah. and monitoring all things around that place leads yeah. to a hyper orgasmic experience of whatever it that does. place is for you. It does. <laughs> like, yep. So again, Absolutely. the question becomes, what is the purpose and when? Yeah. And and yeah. yes, so part of the... Just the back to that dragonfly, you know? Right. Like, part of the trajectory around some of the proliferation or, you know, symptom-based language around around trauma yeah. is, like, what happens when it takes over where you're, you're using it in all places at all times? Right. right? And so, like, right. hypervigilance yeah. doesn't have a place, for me, it's in all places at all times. Oh, yeah. yeah um, definitely not. But it can be used in many ways. And so where is the discernment? And the discernment is around right. the kind of simultaneity of, like, what experience do I need to have right now? What, right. And, and what experience do I have access to being able to have right now? What experience mm-hmm. am I foreclosing upon right now? And, like, to be able to say yep. that with my yep. entire chest. Because it's like, all right. Like, exactly. That just yes. is. It doesn't, I don't have to then, like, beat myself up over it. Like, why can't I experience oh, pleasure right now and I'm only experiencing no pain? It's to. like, it's just all sensation. So, yeah. okay, then let me be with the pain, even though I want a more pleasurable experience. Then, like, yes. then yes. how can I be in pleasure with the experience of my pain? Mm-hmm. Right? How Absolutely. can I be in, how can I, like, where are the places in which I can be curious enough? Because curiosity is a place of pleasure for me. It is. That I can be in a dance and play with pain. Or with my, I can be in a dance and play with the acceptance that I don't want to be in pain. Like, that's also okay. That is very (laughs) okay. That I can be like, oh, okay. How do I play with this? Because I don't want Mm -hmm. this. I can accept that I don't want this. And so how can Mm -hmm. I play with the acceptance of this this thing that I want? Absolutely. You know, that's life's gifts to you. Absolutely. Mm Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I was not expecting to have so much mirroring today. <laughs> and it's beautiful. I'm just like, all right. You know? So let's talk about that. I want to hear I want to hear like tell me the juiciness of, of of your experience of feeling and hearing being mirrored. Like I want to like give me some Oh yeah, that ties directly into the relational dowsing system, which you were very curious about. That ties right into it. It will give me great pleasure to be in the in the mix. I want to know your juiciness around like the experience that you have when you're mirrored, because it sounds like it's a juicy experience. So I want the oh, it's an extremely juicy experience. What (laughs) it is? Oh my gosh, it's just a gushing experience for me, because Mm. you know I just. I feel as if I just gush with energy, you know, almost like, Mm. almost like the way that I would squirt. Right. And Mm. it's like seeing the waters out of that Mm. and understanding the flow. It's Mm. all about the flow and it feeds right back into the third dimension. Right. (laughs) And it just goes and it just keeps going in and out like an orbit, just in and out, you know, just on this one Mm. orbital plane. It's so beautiful, but then it's so much more than that. Right. So what I only gave you was one aspect. So I think a lot of times that like a huge part of that is being able to um, take a lot of seemingly unrelated things in the 3D dimension, right? And Mm. putting them together. But what people don't know, I think what people don't understand is actually the statistical moderator behind that, 
What actually yeah. happens by the, the whole abstract principle and the big picture behind being able to see that is the multidimensional perception of reality. You know, it's, it's, it's both time dependent and not time dependent. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's what's so beautiful. I think it was kind of like the, the words I love to use is like an intentional non-intent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So that's kind of how I feel the mirroring, how I feel mirroring is so much around creating that kind of like infinity space between two or more individuals, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, you know? It's, it's funny. As you were it's not very visual. Way, it is visual for me, though. There's a way. Oh, awesome. It's, and I'm glad that you said the infinity because what came to mind was like the actual movement. And I was actually just talking about this last night. Yep. Um, like in like waveform that forms the lamiscate, I think is what it's called. Like the actual symbol for infinity is called a, a ah. lamiscate. Lemon oh okay yeah okay. i don't anyway. know what that's called yeah so anyway so the fact that mm-hmm. that was the visual i was getting, yeah and then you cool. said infinity and i was like yep <laughs> <laughs> yep mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so thank you for that yamina thank absolutely. you for your pleasure because it was my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> same thing so awesome yeah hmm yeah it's almost like I could hear you know it's like I could hear waters coming into shore and then coming going back mm. you know like I could mm. it's it's as if I'm gaining that energy from hearing that internally you know mm. oh I love that gushing into shore <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah mm, that's so good mm. I'm just rocking back and forth happily. <laughs> yeah, I'm noticing a rocking too. My rocking is like um, back and forth as well. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> what do you know about um, you know? I'm I'm sure you noticed that I've used the word secure attachment a lot recently. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and the reason why is because you know I'll probably put in my intro that like since the last time we talked. Um, I felt that I was having an internal ceremony. I I called it an energy gala, you know, Mm. where I I just allowed whatever benevolent energies to just come to me and celebrate the fact that I now feel securely attached. Mm. And that is huge because then that means that I don't have to, you know, that means that kind of the longing part of myself is now dying. And that was literally the whole entire ceremony. It was just as much of a celebration as it was a funeral, as it was an energy yep. gala. It was, it was all of it. It was all yeah. of it at the same time. And it was beautiful. And I had energies come and give me aesthetic experiences through music, um, through dance, you know, um, through art and, you know, just really beautiful insights. I think that, you know, I just allowed for that experience to come into my relational dowsing system because, um, yeah, and I, you know, because, um, you know, I was just, I was celebrating that. And I actually, you know, I always do. I always see myself die. I always do. You know, I see that part of myself. You know, I used to get scared of it. I used to get really scared of it. And, and that fear, that relationship to that fear showed me why. And I was like, okay, well, this is something that I feel that I need to release in order to step more deeply into my power. So that is what I decided to do was just step away from it and understand that it, you know, you know, there might be parts of childhood trauma that I would like to hold, you know, that I would like to hold gently and that kind of thing. But then there are some parts that I would like to bless and release. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. Has has the term secure attachment been able, like, has that been something that has fractalized into your experience for your personal experience? I guess that's really what I was asking. Mm. And if it hasn't then yeah, of course, you know. Yeah. Or you anything know, similar would be really nice for me to hear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So when I think about attachment theories, mm-hmm. I often want to be in the conversation 
in specificity. So because I think that there's lots to learn about or yeah, because of the way curiosity operates. So I would definitely be considered from the relational frame, somebody who my general sort of like baseline is Mm -hmm. secure attachment, Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty wild given what some of my life experiences have been (laughs) that that my baseline is secure attachment is like, is its own divinity as far as I'm concerned. Um, However, I don't find it particularly useful to me to be in those kinds of generalities because of the particular ways in which it assumes and presumes a particular kind of fixedness that I just Mm. don't think is true. So even if something is, you know, if, if, if we're going to sort of measure time. So for example, in the measurement of linear time in one Mm. hour, there are so many moments that make up that hour as far as how I relate to the world. And so as it relates to attachment, the majority of those moments, if we're Mm -hmm. just using this particular measurement of time of a one hour, the majority of those moments relationally are going to be moments for me in which I am securely attached. So there is a Mm -hmm. sense if we're only looking at that hour Mm -hmm. and the consistency and sort of averaging how many times I'm in secure attachment versus not, Mm -hmm. then like by and large, the average would give information that my general state of being is mm-hmm. secure, securely being attached. Right, right, right. Um, and so for me, why that's interesting in terms of more domain-specific mm-hmm. foci <laughs> is then it becomes what are the conditions and to what and to whom that other forms of attachment emerge. Mm-hmm. And, and like what, what mm, the word resolve wants to come through, but I don't, I want to sort of trouble that word because I don't mean resolve as in complete Um, right Mm -hmm. or fix. Yeah. Like that's not what I mean. That's not what you want. Yeah. But like, what is the natural cycle of a moment? Yeah. Yeah. And in the case of sort of attachment theory and thinking, using language that comes from that place, Right. Um, then it becomes what is the natural cycle of the movement of beingness as I am being with other beings. And from that perspective, different kinds of beings, mm-hmm. <laughs> as they meet my being and my beingness, right. um, in, t- in terms of like measuring this out, like mapping it out from time understanding that that's only one way to do things, but I'm just trying to not be too um, diffuse here. Um, (laughs) um, Then it's like, yeah, that there are some, there are some types of relationships, not generally ones I engage um, too deeply at this point in my life, that Mm -hmm. if we're measuring time in the, if we're measuring moments in the measurement of time, that is one hour, then and you average those moments, then I might be a different level of securely attached. So where with some sure. relationships- You're saying that be... it's just significantly more multidimensional than what we would see it typically in this 3D representation of attachment theory. Is that what yeah. you're getting at? Yeah, Absolutely. I think so. Right, but that's the but the but in the current discourse, the value uh, places secure attachment over insecure attachment, over oh, see, anxious yeah, avoidant no, attachment. No. That's yeah, yeah. I'm right? not, so, I am so not coming from that space. Oh my yeah, God. I don't, and I don't feel that yeah. you are. That's why. That's why I answered. Gotcha. That. You were just I was like, I'm more interested in how you experience it than I am in sort of talking theory about it because so I could important. I could talk. Oh yeah, I don't want to talk. But. Oh no, I was so. Do you know that that is not what I was asking? I was asking about your personal, I was asking about the phenomenological realm. And that's what matters to me more than anything, because that is the reality that we don't get to hear on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why I'm not a part of these attachment theory groups, even though I you know, you know, know, do a lot of mental health related, because a lot of times the information in the groups are so rigid that essentially they don't honor the rest of my multidimensionality. And if mm. I don't go in spaces that do not, like, I just don't. That is a part of my relational dowsing system is that like I told my relationship to that system. 
that we are not, you know, like we are not going to go into spaces that unconsciously or subconsciously cut off our dimensions. And right. even consciously, consciously is even worse. Right. <laughs> to me. So yeah, I think that that's, that's the piece, right? Like yeah. what happens sometimes when we value a thing because we've ascribed value to a thing, then right. we lose nuance for the thing. So exactly. it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot more nuance in the discourse oh, so around more. avoidant mm-hmm. attachment or right. anxious so attachment yeah, than there is a, around secure attachment. deep intuition. That's what I, you know, that's what I actually love to do research on more than anything is to look at like, you know, like in a fearful avoidant attachment is very fascinating to me because it's like, oh my goodness, you mean to tell me that this person has adapted to hold on to their multidimensional perception of reality out of, you know, and that could be an evolutionary adaptation, mm-hmm. you know? And so I just find that interesting, you know, depending on, you know, how, how one sees one's ecosystem, if they feel that that is an evolutionary adaptation within that space, then that is just, that's brilliant to me. Right. And where do they, like, that that's not all they experience. So like, even right. that's like, so that isn't to me, the wholeness of the way I experience my secure attachment does not mean the absence of fearful avoidance strategies. Right. That that actually is also oh, yeah. part of my secure attachment. Like that's what it means to be in a right hope. relationship. Right? <laughs> like I'm in right yeah. relationship with the particular, the relationships yeah. that exist in which the secure attachment can be the baseline. Mm-hmm. Are there relationships in which the things I need to be fearful and avoidant, the relationships I need to be fearful right. and avoidant right. as a strategy. Well, then, are it present. is. It is. It, you know, like when you were talking about black technology, I consider that a form in my personal ecosystem. I see that, you know, sometimes the dismissive avoidant, and I'm not pathologizing blackness. Right. That's not what I'm doing in this space. What I'm saying is that that just happens to be one part, you know, that other people tend to pathologize but that's not any of my business right <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know right the ways that i have adapted um have become a black technology totally yeah i mean that's there we go that's the lemon gate again like that's the infinity yep. like that's the yep. whole and that's the wholeness of one right <laughs> like yeah again that like that plus one that one holds infinity and so if blackness is one, okay. blackness is infinity. And so it can hold all that is possible, that has been deemed impossible, all that already is and all that is to be. Yeah, the quantum. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yes, yeah, like really reminds me of like, um, you know, something that I've said before um, in my personal practice has been, um, um, you know, you might have heard the first four, but I thought it was the last one was really cool. It's like earth my body, water my blood, uh, air my breath, fire my spirit, and quantum my space. Mm. That's beautiful. And that's what we're speaking to is that multidimensionality. Mm. Yeah. And it's very important for me to always honor that within my own self, within other individuals, um, with, you know, within life itself. And I think it's really beautiful that you said before that like every experience is whole unto itself. Mm-hmm. And, and I absolutely loved when we talked about that. Oh my gosh, it was just so awesome to hear that because um, it was important confirmation of my uh, experiences with individuals in the past, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, mm. you know, you could... That's, that's kind of what mirroring, the pleasure of mirroring is for me, is when I'm so used to telling myself things. It's just like, okay, <laughs> I'm telling myself things, you know? And I know that what I'm saying is really fucking wise. Like, I know that. But <laughs> there's something really special about hearing it from someone else. Right. No, there really is. <laughs> I, I, I'm totally You're like, oh, that. wow. I've never heard this from anyone else before. But you, cool. That's how I feel. <laughs> that's mirroring for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like, yeah. you know, this person seems to quote unquote get it in a way that I have not experienced before, except for when I've been just by myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's beautiful because you're going to put it into a different lexicon, you know? Like, I'm deeply uh, fascinated by the vesica, that vesica space, that mm. space in the middle of the Venn diagram between, between lexicons. Mm. And so when our lexicons vesica, that's another, that's to me, that is another sexual experience. Yeah, buddy. Vesicating. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm here for the Vesica. I'm here for my vessel, Vesicating with your vessel. Love it. <laughs> I'm like super grateful for your time. Thank you so much. And for all of the all of the other dimensions that exist beyond and under and over time and every single preposition possible and it's funny because to me, sexuality has a lot to do with prepositions. And that's kind of my joke with people. And I'm just like, you know, how many times are like under, over, on the side? You know, there's just so much, there's so much in the preposition itself that you don't need to add. Like, you know, sometimes you don't even need to add, you know, like the nouns on the side, you know? And it's just mm-hmm. so cool to me. Um, so, um, yeah, and, and I think that, that that connects to the multidimensional for me. You know, every possible preposition and prepositions that don't exist yet because we don't understand. Because, you know, prepositions are a lot about dimension, right? Um, mm. And so, like, there are prepositions that we don't even know yet, right? Um, and that, to me, that is super sexy, is the realm of what we don't know in the realm of what we are becoming and discovering through these multidimensional perceptions. Mm. Um, so, you know, uh, in and out and through and et cetera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's so beautiful, you know, or like, you know, some, some uh, mathematician friends like uh, Ben Matson, I think he was like one of my last uh, folks, you know, he would have said X, Y, and Z axis and, you know, and all of the above and et cetera, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of times I can't hang with math- mathematicians because all they care about is the X, Y, and Z axis. And I'm just like, I can't do this. This is so rigid. Like, can we talk about the et cetera? Like, I, like <laughs> I like that. That's sexy yeah. to me, you know? I'm here. I'm here for the et cetera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, or at least the possibility yeah. of et cetera, I think. Is... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Just, even, just even pondering it, you know, it doesn't have to mm-hmm. be it. It's just even pondering it. And I believe it's just holding space, just holding space for et cetera can completely change so much. I mean, in a way that has more ease, that has more all of the things that you said before, you know, it doesn't feel pleasurable, doesn't have ease, you know, all of that. Can you share that? Oh, the, my particular, um, yeah, yeah, sort of like checklist in that way that it's like, right, like that for me, when I was sharing with you about kind of what it looks like to live my life by a Black loving care ethic, um, is that it's through the lens of joy, pleasure, ease, and rest. Yeah. So, yeah, that is, that, that is the place in which I desire to meet Blackness over and over and over again in its infinite ways. I love that. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to talking to you again, if you would like to. Um, I'm into it. I'm yeah. into this Vesica. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is yes. so awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for this conversation. That's yeah. grounding me back into this <laughs> this realm. Oh yes, yes, that's what it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's what it does. It does that for me, yeah, too. You know, and yeah, thank you for your brilliance. You know, mm. just thank you for your. It's just absolutely so beautiful to, um, to have, um, a brilliant black person on this podcast and giving, you know, giving in a way that is not emotional labor, giving in a way that's mm. not intellectual labor, because it would have been intellectual labor to hold yourself back, right? Mm. Yeah. So um, talk to you next time. And yeah. you know, I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. Thanks. Take right. care. Bye. Bye. Take care.